Welcome to episode number 14 of The Shannon Plan. I am Kyle Posey. I am joined by my buddy Akash. Akash, what's going on, man? Happy bye week, KP. Happy bye week, 49er fans. Thank God they have the weekend off. Uh, we get to watch some other teams play this week, which uh, will, be, will be nice. Yeah, it is. And I, I would tell 49ers fans to watch some football, watch some other positions, and kind of compare that to what you see. And that will seem it will not show that we are always picking on the guys just because, you know, we hold them to a higher standard. So let's talk about the Saints game. 49ers lost 27 to 13 for a good part of that game. It really felt like the 49ers were the better team or not for a good part of the game for at least, you know, the first quarter and a half. Yeah, agreed. But turnovers, squandered opportunities. And when you, you know, when you're as thin as they are with all the injuries that the 49ers have had, you're just your margin for error just isn't there. So dropping a punt, muffing a punt, turning the ball over, um, giving the Saints a short field, you just can't afford to do that. I did think the 49ers played well, but as we said, um, you just can't give Drew Brees and apparently Jameis Winston <laughs> that type of field position. Uh, what, what were some of your uh, what were some of your takeaways from the game? I mean, the 49ers had more first downs. They had four more first downs. They were better on third down. They were 7 of 16. The Saints were 2 of 12. They outgained the Saints. They had 281 yards. The Saints had 237. They ran more plays than the Saints, 10 more. Um, and they outpossessed the Saints by five minutes, right? And we've been talking sort of all season. That's kind of been their game plan with all the injuries, right? Uh, possess the ball more, shorten the game, uh, by limiting the number of possessions, run the ball more effectively, keep the opposing offense off the field, and you sh- in theory should win, but you look up and it's a, you know, they lose by two touchdowns and you hit the nail on the head. You can't turn over the ball when your margin of error is razor thin like it is for the 49ers. When you have a backup quarterback, when you have backups at practically every position, you can't, you know, muff two punts on special teams. You can't, you know, uh, or muff one punt. They gave up like a, a long uh, special teams return that set up the Saints, um, you know, inside their own territory. Uh, Mullins had ugly interception uh, there when the game was kind of in the balance, not counting the one at the end there. Um, those kind of things just can't happen. The missed opportunities, the turnovers. Um, yeah, it, just poor execution there. And it's tough because there's backups all over the field. So, your expectation of them, you know, uh, executing at a high level is already lower because they're backups for a reason and they're put in spots that they're not normally put in. Um, so, you know, they came out hot, they had a good lead. Um, they came out firing and they just couldn't hold on to that. They couldn't sustain that momentum throughout four quarters and hence they lost. Yeah. At halftime, the 49ers were only down seven. But they had ran 19 more plays than the Saints. They held New Orleans to under 100 total yards in the first half. They had seven more first downs, and they held the ball for 14 more minutes. They like their game plan going into the game was great, and you would have thought after everything I just read that the 49ers would have been up. But a fourth and one, where Colt McKivitt steps the wrong way, and the 49ers turn the ball over. They had a Saints. Touchdown where, you know, the muffed punt, so the Saints get a touchdown off that. They had a situation where Contavious Street gets a sack, on th- which would have caused third and forever. But because rules, 
and veteran quarterbacks, they were able to get a penalty or they were able to turn that penalty into a first down and add points on the board. It, it really felt like Murphy's law because everything that could go wrong for the 49ers did. And I don't want to blame that game on the rest because the 49ers did have plenty of opportunities and plenty of chances to make plays. They just did not. And that was, that's, that seems to be the story of the season. Yeah, the Murphy law, the Murphy's law thing is hilarious because this season, I don't know about you, but doesn't it feel like everything that can go wrong for the 49ers, forget the injuries and stuff, just within the game feels like it always goes against them. Like whether it's balls bouncing the other team's way, whether it's penalties, whether it's turnovers, whatever. Whereas last season, it felt like everything kind of just fell into place. This season, they just can't seem to like catch a break. Yeah, it's almost like everything evens out. Crazy how that happens. Um, Trent Taylor is going to field a punt has maybe five or six bodies around him. Instead of fielding the punt, he is, in the most literal sense, two yards to the left of the ball, lets it bounce. It bounces off, I believe it was, um, Ken Webster. Ken Webster, yep. And it hits his foot, and the Saints recover. Just catch the freaking ball. Later on in the game, Richie James, as a punt returner, uh it is so, so hard to muff a punt if your elbows are in. His elbows are about as wide as his body, and naturally the ball goes right through the wickets. 49ers give up another score, and the game was probably over by then, but it just seems like over and over again this team continues to shoot themselves in the foot. But there were plenty of good performances. I thought this was the best game that I've seen the 49ers receivers play as a unit. In the past three years, I thought Brandon Ayuk is slowly turning the corner to becoming a very good receiver. He has some good reps against Marshawn Lattimore. He still has to get better, but Richie James is a good player, and watching him play, I don't know what the excuse is for not having him on the field over some of the guys that they have been playing. Uh, Jordan Reed looks good. Jordan Reed is really good. Kendrick Bourne obviously is has progressed to be a very good player as well, but you would just have no idea of the 49ers wide receiver play because quarterbacks the quarterback, stink. Um, Mullins just does not give them much of a, an opportunity to get the ball down the field. To say that he has a noodle arm would probably be giving him too much credit. Um, on the third and 21 throw that CJ Beathard decided to throw a line drive when the ball was needed to go 50 yards, um, shockingly did not work out. Um, I do also want to give credit, though, to Robert Sala. I thought he had a really good game plan. I thought that the defense just continues to play hard, play tough. The defensive line as a unit probably played one of their better games this season. Uh, props to Javon Kenlaw. Uh, he decided to show up in the box score for a change. <laughs> um, but I love him, by the way. He just He's so he's fantastic. He, he refuses to give himself credit for anything, which is, which is pretty refreshing because he's going to get softball questions anyway. But I, I just like the way – that he reacts to reporters. So um, I did think it was interesting. Well, first of all, not sure what took so long to get Tarverius more in the game. I did think it was interesting to see that Salah put uh, Marcel Harris down in the box as an, an extra linebacker, as a linebacker, as opposed to Aziz Al-Shahir. I do wonder if that's going to hold up because Demetrius Fanagan Foles was kind of that guy in training camp and they, they really did like him. So I wonder if when he comes back, if he takes Harris's spot because Harris – uh, he did have a couple plays where he just let 
Alvin Kamara just run right by him on the outside when he had his only job was to not let him get outside of him. And sure enough, he did not hold up. Um, but that, that was pretty much my takeaway of the game. Just bad quarterback play. That's going to be the, the case so long as he is under Mullins is under center and Garoppolo is not healthy. Uh, the offensive line, I thought they did much better as a pass block, um, just pass blocking. But you want to talk about their run blocking. What did you see? This has kind of been their inconsistency all season long has been their just run blocking. And it felt like in 2019, they were able to, um, you know, use that part of their game to open up everything else, right? They used the run to quote unquote pass. And something you and I have been monitoring kind of all season long has been uh, football outsiders adjusted line yards. So uh, for those of you guys don't know what this is, it's basically... They take, you know, what the running back gains on a given play and they weight it depending on what the gain is to truly show you how well the blocking is up front, right? To give you kind of an estimate. So in the Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch era, the 49ers have been in the top 10 of adjusted line yards for the first three years, right? They were, uh, they had 4.2, 4.5 and 4.5, you know, adjusted line yards uh, between 2017 and 2019. In 2020, they're actually at 3.9 and they're 25th. They were actually in the bottom, uh, probably the bottom five, you know, early on in the season. And then after those Rams and Patriots games, they jumped up actually to like 14, 15. Now they're back down to 25th. And, you know, everyone wants to blame Jarek McKinnon and Michael Hasty and Austin Walter. And, uh, you know, it's fair, but usually, especially in this offense, um, it's more offensive line dependent. And when you watch, when you go back and watch the game specifically on running plays, especially ones that got blown up, it's just missed assignments left and right. It's like on every play, and it's not the same person, right? That's why it's so frustrating, I bet, for Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel. It's like on one play, it's Dan Brunskill. On another play, it's Kyle Juszczyk. On a different play, it's a wide receiver. Like they all, like the play, the only times that they get everyone kind of to sync up and block together, it ends up being a decent game. And when one dude screws up, then all of a sudden the play gets blown up in the backfield. And next thing you know, it's second and long and the 49ers behind the chains. And that's when like uh, starts to roll down the hill and negative plays happen. So that's been the biggest thing. It's like they're run blocking so inconsistent and they were, and it's like, that's the one part of their team. That's like relatively healthy. You know, Trent Williams is still in there. Lakin Thomas is still there. Dan Brunskill is still there. Mike Bluglinchy is still there. Kyle Juszczyk is still there. Um, but yeah, and a lot of people will tell me that, oh, hey, like George Kittle's out. That's why. And it's like, even when George Kittle were there, he was there, he wasn't blocking like he was in 2019. Uh, and Ross Dwell, he's like definitely not on his level. But yeah, the receivers, just everyone as a unit uh, just isn't blocking well. And then on top of that, another thing that's interesting is on multiple occasions this season, Trent Williams, uh, either, you know, post game or like later in the week when he speaks to the media, he's kind of casually dropped like, yeah, as an offensive line, we weren't really prepared for the front that they threw or we haven't seen it on film. And it's like, like, is that an indictment of like the preparation like or like a lack of in-game adjustments or whatever it is? He, he seems to throw shade like multiple times that they haven't seen certain things and that causes them to go be off guard. Um, and, and it shows in their results, right? So yeah, it's been kind of a concern because if they can run the ball, then it, everything kind of just keys off of that. But they haven't been able to do that. I mean, they had, what, 49 yards on, like, 25 carries or something like that? They have 156 yards in the past three games. That is putrid. Um, it seems like Shanahan is really uh, really placing his hopes on Mostert to come in and save the day. 
if you look at some of the running back stats, so Michael Hasty, who went on the injury reserve on Tuesday, his yard he has sixty percent of his yards this season have came after contact uh, for Jarek McKinnon who has been getting a lot of flack, and I, I understand why. He just doesn't really have a second gear. 59% of McKinnon's yards have came after contact. So these dudes are being hit often in the backfield, and they're really not having much of a chance. But at the same time, Moster just has another gear and like can see the same cutbacks and can kind of set up his blocks where he also runs through a lot more tackles than these guys do. So I, I can see why Shanahan is a lot more – um, just optimistic about him returning. And just, you know, we talk about Mostert and, and Breida last season. They hit on a ton of explosive plays in the run game. How many times did they break a run and all of a sudden everything else opens? This year it seems like methodic, they have to methodically move the ball down the field. And that, you know, is difficult when you have to do that routinely on every drive. And, uh, you know, sharp fo- fo- football stats, excuse me, does explosive run rates. Uh, in 2019, they were sixth at explosive run rates. They had 81 explosive rushes on 600 total attempts. Uh, in 2020, they have only 24 explosive rushes on 266 attempts, which is 9% and is 27th. So they were you know, top 10 last year and they're bottom five this year. So they're just not getting the explosive plays out of the run game. They're getting hit in the backfield a lot. And uh, yeah, that's just, it's killed their offense. Yeah, I wonder how much of that belongs to Mostert since um, as well. And I was I was thinking about this last week. I wonder as the 49ers continue to get more weapons around Mullins, Garoppolo, whoever is going to be the quarterback, if that leads Shanahan to kind of evolve and get past Juszczyk because he has not played well this season. And he has missed a lot of blocks. And he is an unrestricted free agent. And obviously his, his resume speaks for himself. But – Something's been up this year, and it's been pretty consistent where it seems like every every time like he misses a block, well, when your fullback misses a block, the running backs pay for it, and we've seen that. Or even in the past game, I think, was it on the goal line when they were down there? It was like second and five, second and goal, third and goal, whatever. He misses the block on Demario Davis. He got steamrolled, yeah. <laughs> and I think it ended up in a Mullins sack. And on the play where they gave Brandon Ayuk the reverse, where he lost like eight yards, I think. Juszczyk was supposed to block 22 and was like a half step late and, you know, Garner Johnson makes the play. And so, yeah, it's been that all year long. Juszczyk hasn't been as effective as he was last season. And that's, he's like a focal point in their run game, right? Big time. Yeah. So let's, let's move on to the injury. So Kyle Shannon said on Tuesday that he's hopeful of getting Tevin Coleman, Demetrius Flanagan Foles, Debo Samuel, Raheem Mostert, and Richard Sherman back for the Rams game, which is on November 29. That is quite a bit of firepower, obviously. So I think me and you agree that Sherman goes to the field, Verrett goes to the boundary. But does that mean Mosley goes to the bench? Because in training camp, Mosley practiced with the second team in the slot. And I feel like if you're going to get your, you know, your best players out there, you, I, I mean, I know Jim Taylor has been fine, but he's not as good as Mosley is in coverage. And that would just allow you to do more as well. What do you think that they do secondary wise, assuming Sherman started? Because we, like it can, for all we know, he could just wait another week or so. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that offline, but d- did Sala stick with the field and boundary scheme again in New Orleans? I thought he moved those guys around. That's a good like point. they didn't they didn't stick to 
field boundary. And I, I saw it when I was watching the game, like on TV, I was thinking that cause it looked like it was, that wasn't the case, but I didn't make a point of it to go back and look in like the all 22. Um, but so to answer your question, I personally would put your three best corners on the field. It's like the same thing with Tarverius Moore, right? Why have we been begging to get Tarverius Moore on the field? Cause he's a better athlete than Marcel Harris and gives you a better chance when he has to be your deep safety. So, um, again, and then it's the same thing with Emmanuel Mosley. He's a better player than Jamar Taylor. I understand playing in the slot is different than playing uh, boundary corner, but you just put your best players on the field and you roll with the best eleven guys. This generally has been my, you know, philosophy generally. So uh, that's what I would do when uh, you get Sherm, Verrett, and Mosley all out there. Hopefully uh, next Sunday. Yeah, that'll be that'll be big, and I, I'm I'm pretty curious to know about that whole boundary corner thing because it's when they first did it this season that was to fit Sherman's skill set I feel like just because he sees the field very well yeah this was the first game where I thought they bailed on it I thought they had you know Verrett line up on the boundary a few times and Mosley line up on the field side um but yeah I didn't I didn't make a point to to go back and watch uh specifically in the all 22 just looking at the very first possession Mosley is in the boundary on the first three players. So I I imagine and I I would I would be very curious to see why they would switch, but no, I lied. They're just playing right and left, it seems like. So on the second possession, Brett is to the boundary. So maybe that's a little bit of a segue to Brett getting field or getting practice on the boundary. I don't know. Uh, that, that's how you get him kind of eased in before you know Sherm has to come back and you go back to your field and boundary uh scheme. So another injury update, Jimmy Garoppolo. Shanahan said that he's really holding out hope that Jimmy can come back this season and play. Kyle added that the outcomes do change when, in reference to winning and losing and that a few other players could join Jimmy this season. So when that, was, that stood out to me today because he made it seem like if the 49ers pull off a few wins and Jimmy is going to come back, other players would join Garoppolo. I don't know if he was referencing Weston Richburg. Ford or who you Ronald Blair yeah like I if they're if they plan on shutting them down unless there is a chance to make a run but Shannon also talked about Garoppolo's future with a lot of people uh grasped onto so let's let's take a listen to that clip I expect Jimmy to be our starter next year I mean I expect him to come and play with us this year you know we have six games left we are not out of the playoffs yet you know I've been on a team that was three and six going into a bye week that ended up winning their division we have guys on this team capable of finishing this the right way. Uh, we got to do one game at a time, and I hope Jimmy can come back and be a part of that. But to think that we've made any decisions on anybody going into the future is, isn't the case. Jimmy's won a lot of games for us this year. It's a lot harder to win games when he's not here, and I'm um, just hoping we can get him back. Okay, so as you could see, he said, I expect Jimmy to be our starter, and everybody just took, went and ran with those words and ignored the entire part where he said, but to think we've made any decisions on anybody going into the future isn't the case. So obviously Jimmy has won a lot of games for the 49ers. And there's, I don't think anybody has ever argued that like realistically that he's the best quarterback option on the 49ers. But to me, what stood out was why did Kyle add that qualifier at the end there? Like, why did he say that about the future? Because if Jimmy was the guy, Shannon wouldn't have had to, you know, parse words like he did. And our producer, Rob, brought up a good point. Remember when Bill Belichick was asked 
would Tom Brady be benched or something along those lines? All he said was Jesus Christ. So if it was that, you know, egregious in stone, yeah, that Jimmy's your guy, he would have just left it at that. So what what did you think about some of uh, some of Kyle's words? Like you, I think I was late to the to the presser, so I wasn't there for this question. I wish I was, but uh, so I just saw the the tweets on my timeline, and it was it was just the first part of what Kyle said, right? It was I expect Jimmy to be our starter next year, and everyone started to run with it. And then when I went back and watched, I made a point to like type out the entire quote so everyone could see what what Kyle actually said, right? Because context matters in this case. And just like you mentioned, you know, we're in November 2020. They don't have to make a decision till like March 2021, until after the season's over, uh, like before free agency, before the draft. So what what else do you expect him to say now, right? Uh, you know, do you expect him to say, ah, no, Jimmy's not going to be on the team? Like, he's not going to do that, right? Uh, and Kyle Shanahan's mind, and you made a point of this before we hit record, he still thinks he can make the playoffs with this team which again, I don't know how realistic we'll talk, we'll talk about it later in the pod, but he still thinks they've got a good shot to make the postseason. So in his mind, he's like, there's no, no way in hell I'm winning with Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard. The best, you know, chance I have to win with the quarterbacks on this roster is with Jimmy Garoppolo. So obviously you're not going to shoot his confidence. And so he's just trying to talk his guy up. So in the event that he does get him back later on in the season and they're in a position to make the playoffs, you know, there's no awkward sort of situation at that time, and they can just roll Jimmy, you know, back in. But yeah, I, you know, the phrasing of it, everyone wants to parse words, but you know, I expect Jimmy to be back versus saying Jimmy is our guy. You know, he's our future. Blah 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 blah. You know, he you know gave a well sort of thought out answer versus just like you mentioned, being like this is agreed. Just Jimmy's the guy. You know, he wasn't like frustrated or anything. He genuinely like answered the question. His mood was pretty you know, calm as you guys just heard uh, on the soundbite. So that was my takeaway from it. The other part of it is, you know, if the 49ers do decide to move on, which they'll decide, you know, later in the off season, um, you know, you want to make sure that his trade value is high, right? You never want to, you know, uh, make other teams think that you're out on Garoppolo. Um, And so you want to make sure that you talk him up as much as possible, even though most teams know kind of what his capabilities are and his flaws are, I should say. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the other part to it, right? It's some gamesmanship as well. And, uh, I tweeted this after the whole, you know, debate about Garoppolo was going on. I was like, you know, the 49ers went into the last off season and they had multiple free agents. They had DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, George Kittle. And you and I talk about this all the time. They legitimately didn't know what route that was going to go when the season had ended and they had just lost the Super Bowl. They could have gone a plethora of different directions with those three guys. Things in the NFL are fluid. They change all the time, depending on who's available, depending on what you know you're getting back for certain players. Um, it's like a it's a marketplace, and things change rapidly. So, you know what we talk about here in November, we're just talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, the player, what we see on a week to week basis, what we think of his play, um, and what we uh, predict his future would be. Right? It's it has nothing to do with you know, what Kyle's actually thinking. Kyle's only focused on beating the Rams next Sunday. He is super tunnel visioned as he should be as any coach in the NFL is. That's all his focus is. He will worry about Jimmy Garoppolo and the rest of this team and college quarterbacks and all that stuff. When the off season hits you and I, we have the time, you know, other fans, whatever other media members, they watch, I'll talk, whatever. Kyle's focused on getting to the playoffs somehow with this team. So 
his response doesn't really surprise me. Yeah, and we have to think it's November, as you said. So a month from now, Tarverius Moore could be a you know just a gym, and all of a sudden they don't feel like they need to add another safety this offseason. Daniel Brunskill could reel a couple of starts at center and look like the center of the future. Right. McKivitz could get it together at right guard and look like the future there. So there there is a lot that could change. It's this is so fluid, but Kyle Shannon sees Jimmy Garoppolo every day in practice. And fans, you know, it's easy to remember Jimmy of 2019 because of what we because of where the 49ers finished and because of what we've seen in recent weeks from Nick Mullins, who just looks unplayable at this point and is just leaving so many plays on the field. But Kyle's going to remember what happened against Arizona. He's not going to make excuses that there are no wide receivers. He's going to remember the throws that he missed. He's going to remember every day in training camp where there were multiple interceptions being thrown and there were the same mistakes and same poor decisions being made. Those have not changed. Like Jimmy is Jimmy. And I imagine while his mind isn't made up, more than likely it's not made up. And he knows that, you know, Jimmy gives the team the best option that they're going to be some long talks about Jimmy this offseason. And more than likely, I mean, if, if Matt Mayoko is saying it at this point in November, like, what are we even doing right now? Like, why do we have to talk about this? Yeah, the team, you know, came off of a Super Bowl loss. They were, what, nine minutes away from winning the Super Bowl. And a month later, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch were talking about Tom Brady. Right? <laughs> 42 at that time, yeah, 42-year-old Tom Brady. 42. And they were legitimately considering him. They were watching, you know, film on him for multiple days. They told Garoppolo just as much. They genuinely were like, we'll consider this. 42-year-old Tom Brady. And I understand, but it's like they did the same thing last offseason. And, you know, the other contenders, whether it's, you know, Ryan Tannehill with the Titans or Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins or whatever, none of those teams were like, yeah, let's let's look at other quarterbacks. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch did that. So don't listen to what he says. Just watch his actions. And the two things we've talked about, the Tom Brady thing last offseason, they looked at him. The second thing is they didn't restructure his contract when the 49ers needed cap space. The 49ers, they didn't even have cap space to elevate Kevin White to the active like game day roster. They were that capped out. And they chose not to restructure Jimmy Garoppolo's deal. Why? Because they can get out of his deal this offseason if they need to. They want that out. They want that over Jimmy Garoppolo's head effectively, right? So just pay attention to the actions. Don't listen to what he has to say. Yeah, even though what he says is pretty clear. Yeah, actions speak louder than words, but his words have uh, have also done the talking as well. Yeah, I just think that there are so many opportunities that we've had, and I, I mean, with Jimmy, time and time again, it feels like we're we're talking in circles, but it's the same talking points time and time again, where fans are ignoring what we've seen on the field in action, and I mean. T- for all we know, Tom Brady wasn't the only quarterback that they tried to pursue. That was just the only quarterback that became public. And That's ne- fair. never have I seen a quarterback get so much credit for losing a Super Bowl. Um, it wasn't just that, though. Like, think of the playoffs. They took the ball out of his hands in both games. But because they won the game, it's easy to say, oh, it was because of the running game, where if you remember a couple of those Vikings throws, that game could have gone a lot different. But – We'll take a break here, and when we come back, we are going to talk about Tack McKinley, where the 49ers' playoff chances stand, and where they are currently drafting.
All right, so we are back. And Kyle Shanahan said the 49ers will put another waiver claim in for Takaris McKinley. So the 49ers did that when the Falcons initially released McKinley. And on Tuesday, Tack did not pass his physical. We don't know why. We don't know what the reason was. But that means your contract is voided. And Tack goes back on the waiver wire. The 49ers would have been the next team awarded that would have been awarded for tax. So it makes sense to bring them in just because they need capable bodies. They need edge rushers and tech has the experience. Do you think, like, I mean, what do you think? Do you have any guesses on what happened with his physical or do you think that, you know, they were going to make a claim either way? Uh, I have no idea what happened with physical. He had a groin injury like earlier in the season. And I wonder if that like still lingered. And for some reason, Cincinnati had like concerns, also, with Corona, it's a little weird because I think you could do physicals with like your own doctor and then send that, you know, like an independent doctor and then they send the paperwork over to Cincinnati or whatever. Whereas, you know, pre Corona, you would go to their facility, the team doctors would check you out. And, you know, for fans, it's not like the physical that like you or I get when we go see our like physician. It's like they check the crap out of you, right, to make sure that you're healthy. Um, so, for whatever reason, he failed his physical. I would still place a waiver claim because you have nothing to lose. Because if you win, you know, if you're awarded McKinley, you bring him into your building or you independent doctor, whatever, um, and you get to see his medicals, just what was going on with why they why they failed his physical. Um, I don't think the conspiracy theory that like McKinley failed his physical on purpose because he doesn't want to be in Cincinnati. <laughs> like I think that's a little crazy, just because. It's the NFL. It's a job. He is in a contract year. He needs the reps. Like he was going to go play anywhere. So I have a hard time believing that. Um, but I would have done that. I would have placed the claim regardless. And I, I would assume no one else does. Like no one's going to be like, oh, let's place the claim on him now that he's you know failed a physical. Right. So I imagine the Niners get him tomorrow or when when you guys listen to this today. Yeah, that'll be um, that'll be something to keep an eye on because, as we mentioned, they're just so depleted up front, and that'll allow them to kick Eric Armstead inside more of um, I would I don't want to say permanent, but on on obvious passing downs. So let's move on. So the 49ers, as we mentioned, Kyle Shanahan still confident that this team has a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, Football Outsiders updates their playoff odds each Tuesday, and the Niners, after they lost to the Saints, their odds dropped. Uh, just under 7%, and now they have a 4.3 chance of making the playoffs. They give uh, – Football Outsiders gives the 49ers a 2.7 chance of capturing the final wild card spot. So, as Dumb and Dumber would say, so you're saying there's a chance. I'm not so sure, but how do you feel? Like, obviously, you know, the Rams, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals, like, they're, they have to play each other. Uh, the 49ers still have those teams – those three teams, including the Bills, realistically, they'd have to finish five and one and probably still need some type of help to make the playoffs. Um, I, the games, they can be competitive in them. But again, the margin for error is just not there, especially with the current roster as it stands. What is are those are those playoff odds accurate for the 49ers? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's in simulations. There are edge cases where the Niners do make the playoffs. I was joking around with somebody that like, you know, when they get to like week, I don't know, 13 or 14, their playoff scenario is going to be like win and, you know, Arizona loss, a Seattle loss, a, you know, a Carolina loss. It's going to be like eight teams need to like lose and the Niners get a win and like some weird shit needs to happen for them to get in. So that's why I don't think, I obviously don't think it, it 
you know, it's going to happen. We've been saying that for the last few weeks. This team's just not good enough this season. We knew that as soon as they lost Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle in Seattle. Like, if Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle were healthy and they had lost that Seattle game, we would be talking about this completely differently, right? They would have just had a bad game. They lost, whatever. But with Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard starting at quarterback, you don't know what you're getting on a week-to-week basis. Like, at any moment, they can implode. And Nick Mullins did that. He had, like, a horrible interception uh, against uh, the Saints when they were driving down the field. And so just there's too much variance in their play at quarterback, and they have too many injuries, you know, elsewhere to be able to overcome that. And each week we get into the bad habit, at least I do, of as the week goes on, you find things that you're like, ah, maybe they have a chance because of this, this and this, and maybe they can cover or whatever. Um, and it's like, yeah, they got a tough schedule. They got the Rams, they got the Bills, then they got uh, a couple NFC East games, which they'll probably win. And then they got, you know, divisional games to close out the year with Arizona and Seattle. So playoffs, I don't think so. Kyle Shanahan believes they can because he was part of like the three and six Reds, uh, Washington football team, excuse me, um, that made the playoffs in 2012 with RG3 as like, you know, offensive rookie of the year or whatever. So Kyle thinks, you know, they came out of the bye week and went seven and zero, and he thinks that the Niners can go on, you know, a similar run. Yeah, very um, apples to apples comparison there, Kyle. Um, Sam <laughs> definitely doesn't have any injuries and is has their rookie Pro Bowl qu- uh, quarterback in the same situation. So thanks for bringing that up, Kyle. Definitely, uh, definitely something to look. I, I I went back and looked at RG 3s stats because after he had said that. RG3 was dominant in those in those seven games. Yes. Uh yeah, just unreal the way he played down that down the stretch um offensively, both running and throwing the ball. Yes. So Niners don't have that. Um yeah, he also threw the ball down the field and he also made plays with his legs, two things that the 49ers quarterbacks do not do. Uh speaking of rookie quarterbacks, the 49ers, the uh, football outsiders. Um, gave them a slim chance to land in the top five. Currently, they're picking 12th. Uh, they could have some help. They can land in the top 10 if the Falcons win next week, and I believe if the Broncos win. Both of those are unlikely to happen because I think they're touchdown underdogs in both of those games. But uh, just keeping track of the playoff odds as well as the draft odds at the same time for the 49ers because just because they're in that middle will be something to keep an eye on as we get closer and closer to the end of the season. But hopefully uh, the 49ers will get healthy. You know, they, they will just continue to be competitive and make some sort of a run so we can get a better idea and figure out if those guys like McKivitz, uh, Brunskill, Moore, and some of the young players are guys that will be a part of this team in the future. Akash, is there anything you want to add before we get out of here? No, man. Uh, I would say for sure 49ers fans, watch Thursday Night Football. It is, I know you guys probably will, it is Kyler Murray versus Russell Wilson in Seattle. I think the weather's supposed to be a little crappy, uh, go figure. But those quarterbacks this season especially have been on a tear. I mean, Russell Wilson hasn't played particularly well the last couple weeks, but you know, Russ is Russ, and Kyler's been phenomenal. And just the disparity in quarterback play between those two guys and like Goff and Garoppolo or uh, I guess Goff and Mullins that, that you'll get the next time the 49ers play is just eye-opening. So, uh, yeah, th- that's the kind of quarterback that, you know, exists in the NFL outside of San Francisco. Prove it. And on that note, thank you for tuning in. Please 
leave us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to your 49ers podcast. My name is Kyle Posey. Follow me on Twitter, KP underscore show. As we get closer and closer to the draft, I'm going to just talk about quarterbacks. No reason why. Um, just, Just like to watch the position. Akash, where can we find you? You can find me at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V on Twitter and agreed. You know, don't, you know, ignore the college football tweets that will come on Friday and Saturday. You may catch me watching uh, BYU play on Saturday afternoon. A uh, guy named Zach Wilson starts for them. Just just saying. They play North Alabama, but. Um, will you be watching them like Adam Peters or Martin Mayhew watched Ohio State where Kyle Shannon sent them? Or are you watching those teams to watch another position player? Because that's definitely what happened. I mean, their left tackle is pretty good. I would not <laughs> mind if they were there to watch him. He's pretty good. But uh, yeah, I mean, watch quads quarterbacks on Saturday uh, and Friday. Dudes out there can sling it. Like Kyle Trask put on a show on Saturday. Justin Fields is a stud. Zach Wilson looks good. Even Mac Jones is like throwing the ball deep. So just pay attention to both of us. We'll talk college quarterbacks a bunch. Thanks for listening. And as always, I'm a go 49ers.